Hello friends, welcome to Running and Fitness with Raj. This show will bring you exciting and interesting guests and give you specific and actionable advice on your running, fitness and general health. Our guest today is the highly accomplished Mihra Khopkar. Mihra is a former national gold medalist in swimming and a postgraduate in sports nutrition. Mihra works with a wide spectrum of athletes all the way from children to international level athletes and across multiple sports like swimming, cricket, athletic, racket sports, football, gymnastics and golf. Mihra currently is the lead sports uh, nutritionist uh, at Sir HN Reliance Foundation Hospital in Mumbai. Mihra is also a passionate teacher and she writes extensively. She teaches as a visiting faculty and she also speaks on health and nutrition at various forums. So a really, really accomplished person and we are really honored to have Mihra join us today. So welcome to the podcast, Mihra. Thank you so much, Raj. And I have to thank you for having me here uh, because um, it's very rare that, you know, spectrum of individuals from such diverse backgrounds come together at a platform like yours and share such amazing um, views, opinions, ideas and strategies to ultimately help individuals who listen to your podcast uh, in their individual training sessions and in their individual lives so that at the end of the day, our common goal, which is to improve whatever, because there's an athlete in everybody. So to improve improve whatever fitness whatever performance possible so again thank you very much for having me so just uh, just set the stage for us with uh, sharing a bit of your background please sure so like like you also mentioned uh, my dad put me into swimming when i was like five years old and that was a sport that i absolutely hated you wouldn't believe it <laughs> but I absolutely hated swimming. But the minute I started doing better, I had my first nationals at the age of 10. And I came back with uh, three golds from there. And then there was no stopping by. And um, years passed by. And then I trialed for the Commonwealth in 2010 in synchronized swimming. And um, that's when I was mature enough to understand. I think I was about, I don't know, 16 or something uh, to understand that there's a very holistic approach that goes um, into performance. Like there is the coach, yes, but you have the support of a sports science and medicine team who's constantly running behind you to ensure that you're not injured, you're constantly recovered, you're fueled well, uh, your mindset is, you know, always at the right place and things like that. And um Fortunately, I didn't have all of that support so that I realized the, the value and worth of having a sports science and medicine um, team with you, uh, the contribution that it makes. And so I always knew that I would give back to my sporting fraternity. And uh, that's how when I finished my 12th, I landed up doing a bachelor's in nutrition and then my master's in sports nutrition. And I still remember I passed out in 2016. Um, and there, the sports nutrition was so niche. Um, people weren't very accepting of a qualified sports nutritionist um, as a part of their team. And um, starting from that point to um, coming up here where people now realize that fueling, supplementation, right nutrition strategy is of prime importance to, um, to performance. And um, 
just throughout 2016 i think i've uh, i've worked with a lot of associations i've interned with a lot of associations in my early days and um, i had my own practice i still do and i consult a lot of athletes through it um, i'm very passionate when it comes to teaching so i i teach a lot uh, at different institutes and i and i help more nutritionists take up sports nutrition as a career because we are very few in number and there are too many athletes and there's too much talent in a country and uh, my honest 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 goal is that if i can inspire one person uh, to take up nutrition and then specialize in sports nutrition because that is Uh, the need of the hour and we have so many different athletes who need that support right from grassroots uh, because uh, like the olympics are going on it's not easy to just wake up one day and you know just gather all of this support and make it that big it starts when you when you have that talent identification it starts with the coach it starts with building the team and you gradually making the difference so i really feel that there need to be more sports nutritionists around and like you rightly anyway spoken so much about me in your in your introduction itself um, um there's nothing more that i i'd like to add apart from the fact that we just need more sports nutritionists around for sure no absolutely in fact there is uh, clearly uh, a- along with the you know growth in you know recreational uh, sports in general in india if you look at uh, you know any recreational sports in the over the last like 10 15 years there has been an explosive growth uh, in india and uh, i think there is a lot more recognition that uh, while the physical training is obviously an important aspect there are a number of other things and nutrition being uh, one of the most important uh, along with your physical uh, training right. that uh, you know that makes you a better person makes you a better athlete in the sense that you know you remain injury free you have the right amount of uh, energy and things like that so absolutely absolutely you know you hit the nail on the head and you know people like yourself who so vocal about it you who you you know you teach you speak at various forums you know i'm pretty sure that people like you will you know inspire others as well to take up uh, sports nutrition uh, as a career as a profession and at the very least you know make sure that this is recognized as a very very important element uh, for us for the success of uh, any any athlete whether you are a recreational athlete and certainly as you said whether you know once you are at the international or olympic level so that kind of you know leads me to my first question which is uh, in terms of when you approach uh, when you approach nutrition are there any are there, is there any single principle that you know you uh, you vouch vouch for or are there a certain set of key principles which you believe and you have seen in your experience applies to pretty much everybody right um i think the one thing that i have learned over over the over these years and one thing i stick by is customization okay i think uh, what we've learned in colleges you know the number of books we read is good information for us but it it's just um it's generic everybody is so different and um they okay. react to different you know meal timings different food ingredients different supplements and um their responses are extremely diverse so we start with a plate wherein we have that information okay for example protein post workout helps but then okay. for somebody protein uh, let's say 10 grams of protein works for a particular athlete 20 grams works for b particular athlete 
the sea athlete does not digest uh, a whey protein at all and needs something else so there's so much uh, so many different responses and i think the key to all of this is customization and individualization so when i land up planning a diet for example it's a very holistic approach which begins off with understanding body composition details your biochemical details your current training routine because nutrition can't do much if you don't have any idea about what training pattern you've been following what training phase you're in and things like that so when we gather that gather the training details and understand the nutrition goals uh, and from there we move on to this is the athlete he's from this sport let's say if if it's a athletics group you know that athletics has so and so requirements when you go on to discipline specific you know that okay this is a sprinter mid distance these are the specific requirements and then you go further down and you know that this is the training periodization and this is what the athlete needs at this point of the training okay. calendar and then you go further and understand at this point of the training calendar he needs to work on a particular goal like body composition or improving strength or improving endurance and that's how much in detail you land up going and building out a plan that is as customized and suited uh, to the athlete okay that's uh, that's uh, very heartening to heartening to hear that you don't apply one size fits all kind of an approach i mean mm-hmm. obviously as you said there are general principles but that you know needs to be tweaked and uh, you know adjusted to the individual their training regime their their you know preferences and things like that now within that within that and you briefly touched upon protein as a protein as an example what are some of the nutrition pillars that you, that you use uh, to structure this uh, you know this customized uh, approach right so i would actually they were simple they're actually broken down into four sections if i'd say i mean the first three are the quality of nutrition you put in the quantity that you put it in into your body okay and the nutrient timing um if we get these three right then we are mostly sorted now if you want to have that extra edge this is where microcycle planning comes into play so if i sit with a coach and the coach explains to me that this is the training microcycle for this one week where for example you do like a vo2 max session on monday uh, tuesday you do a lactate threshold session wednesday is technical or skills or whatever if i know what session my athlete is doing and the demands of those sessions then it just becomes easier for me to fuel the athlete the right way or understand that the load for these two days is going to be on the higher side so the third day i need to focus on recovery so that the readiness to train is much better on the third day so okay i i i honestly feel that um it's the simple things that make the difference and sorry and um just the fact that if i if you have enough information about training then you know exactly what to provide in terms of quality quantity and nutrient timing so how how would uh, give us uh, give us an uh, give us an example i mean i know that you have you know you do work and with olympics uh, olympics currently going on you have done work with a number of uh, federations as well let's let's just as an example uh, obviously the listeners to this podcast are mostly recreational runners and uh, athletes and you know people who do recreational stuff and not you know elite athletes however just as an example can you just uh, 
you know, give us a little more detail on these four components, which is quality, quantity, timing, and then the micro cycles. Correct. So for example, let me start with the latter, actually. So if I sit with the coach, uh, let's say he's a sprints coach. And as a sprints coach, he tells me, or let me take an example of an endurance runner, because I believe some of of your listeners would also be into endurance, for example. Sure. So if I sit with an endurance running coach, um, and he'd guide me that this is my training calendar for the whole year. Uh, let's say I have a competition in September, then a competition in November. And I would start something like like prepping up as a general preparation phase from January, February, gradually moving on to different phases of training. He would let me know that this phase of training, which would last for two months, focuses purely on gradually increasing my mileage and focuses on endurance as such. This is a two-month okay. block, post which... He will also guide me that this is my weekly program where I do like a continued pace run one of the days or I'll end up doing a hill run one of the days. I'll end up doing a long run on Sundays. So with this information, I know that the broad goal is now endurance. I need to do, I need to build nutrition strategies that can help improve the athlete's endurance. And two, I know exactly what kind of training he's doing on an everyday basis. So I know that this day he might need more carbs. This day he might need more electrolytes. So I can plan my nutrition program on a daily basis because since training is not the same every day, neither would nutrition be the same on an everyday basis. So after I have this ground information with me, I will further break it down into a nutrition program which would revolve around our quality, quantity and nutrient timing aspects. So when I talk about quality, I would want to fuel my athlete with the best quality of nutrition. So for example, when I speak about carbohydrates, if I know that there is two hours or three hours before a training session situation, I know I want to do something that is slow absorbing, that is complex. So when I go for sweet potatoes or millets, for example, but I know that this guy is going for a long run and he's going to be there for two, two and a half hours. I know he needs a continued, fa- continuous fast absorbing supply of a fast absorbing carbohydrate solution. So my quality depends on my requirement. So this is just an example of carbohydrates. When I look at yeah. quantity in general, again, let me take an example of protein in here. Now, the protein requirements for a middle to long distance athlete are very varied than that of let's say a sprinter and i would therefore need to tailor make those protein requirements and put in um put in specific requirements that go in post training that go in pre-training as suited for this endurance runner which would be very different for example for a sprinter now when i look at nutrient timing uh, is when i want to gather the maximum benefit in terms of let's say fueling if i take fueling for an example i've finished my long run uh, i've exhausted my muscle glycogen stores uh, and i have a next session after 24 hours the next day so my job is therefore that immediately once i finish my session i need to refuel i need to repair i need to rehydrate so i will start putting in my fluids immediately post my training session put in some electrolytes if i haven't stocked up on them during put in the fast absorbing carbohydrates which would refuel my glycogen immediately and so on and so forth so these this is just an example but based again like i said based on your goals you would tailor make your quality quantity and nutrient timing 
Got it. Okay. Now, uh, a specific question, which I know a lot of listeners are interested in, and especially in India, where we have a large number of uh, vegetarians, is regarding the adequate amount of protein and how can you how can you get it right. So, what are your thoughts on specifically vegetarians getting an adequate amount of uh, protein? And let's assume this is a this is a recreational athlete training for a half marathon or a full marathon. So, you know something something more than what an average person would do this person is training okay uh and the other aspect of the protein question is do you uh, have a preference between plant based protein supplements and animal based uh, protein supplements right so to answer your first question i i know that if we target recreation we target recreational athletes but let me tell you something um india's top thrower is a vegetarian Okay. <laughs> okay. So, uh, my, I mean, to answer your first question, it is absolutely possible to succeed on a vegetarian meal plan. Of course, it's supported okay. with certain supplements. Uh, but the key message I want to put in is that it doesn't matter what your dietary choice is because it's personal. And when sure. you when you have that when you have that choice made, the question is only about meeting the necessary quantity. if you land up meeting that quantity then doesn't matter if you are a vegetarian vegan lacto ovo vegetarian pescetarian or even a meat eater so the first question being that you can definitely meet your protein requirements on a vegetarian diet and for a recreational marathoner again the requirements are not that high they are any they based between 1.2 to 1.6 grams per kilogram of your body weight and okay the 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 thing is that we've hyped protein so much as the most important nutrient that everybody okay. thinks that we need so much of protein and so difficult to manage it you know through diet but we don't need that much at all we need anywhere between 1.2 to 1.6 grams per kg body weight and it's very uh, very much possible to manage it with food perhaps with a little bit support from a supplement post training okay so uh, and what about uh, this debate uh, between plant based protein and animal based protein where do you stand on that um again uh, for example there's this this is this presentation that i had done uh, at some point and there's a very nice study done by this uh, researcher called gorison in 2018 okay. and i'm going to give you a very shocking uh, result now that you must be aware that you know, for example we need good quality protein so by that i mean sure. you need essential amino acids further you need branch chain amino acids like bcaa's like we commonly call it which are yeah. extremely important to trigger you know muscle protein synthesis and keep our cells healthy recovery repair all of that now this study okay. was done to compare uh, a few plant options along with let's say whey which is a classic protein supplement that we just pop in post training and yeah. out of so we know that whey has all essential amino acids it's a good quality protein it's got decent amount of bcaa's and most importantly it's got very nice content of leucine now leucine is the top amino acid that can help you recover better give you that muscle growth all of that now yeah um the study said for example that if you pop in 25 grams of a whey protein which gives yeah. you 2.7 grams of leucine right it will 
trigger your muscle protein synthesis you know very good so let's all now pop up you know whey protein and we are sorted but he said that when you compare it with a plant protein option such as yep. brown rice protein or pea protein or soya protein you will get the same muscle protein synthesis response provided you have a little bit more of these for example 25 grams of whey uh, if gives you decent amount of muscle protein synthesis 37 grams of brown rice protein or 38 grams of pea protein or 40 grams of soy protein or uh, 60 grams of wheat protein hydrolyzate these can give you the same muscle protein synthesis response as whey protein so wow okay so it's very easy to balance it all off and i will leave it to the athlete i will not go about letting people know that oh let's get vegan because you know i feel that many athletes also get really influenced there was this documentary that came in and most of my athletes called me and said that oh we want to get on a vegan diet but <laughs> sure. but um, i think i think the requirements vary in terms of what works for you for example many athletes just can't digest milk and can't digest whey even if it's an isolate and for them you know variations of pea protein and soy protein and brown rice protein the blend usually works for some they are very adapted to a whey protein and they're doing just fine so my point is if everything is going really great don't try and deliberately you know trial and error and see what you know you want to make as a change and see if that works you can do that perhaps in the off season but when you're in season perhaps don't try and experiment too much if things are going well already for you you know understood okay no that's a that's an excellent overview and very very clear in in what you what you guided the listeners so that's you know very very helpful before moving on i wanted to request uh, all the listeners to please leave a rating and review on apple podcasts or itunes it will only take you a couple of minutes but it will help the show enormously and help other listeners to discover the show so please do take a couple of moments to go and leave a rating and review on either apple podcasts or itunes if you are using another app which allows you to leave a comment or a rating or review like for example castbox please do that either we also request you to please check out the website runfitraj.com and also if you have any comments or suggestions to please write to me directly at runningandfitnesswithraj@gmail.com you can follow all podcast related updates on instagram at the handle runningandfitnesswithraj or on facebook on the facebook group running and fitness with raj now let's get back to the show let's let's look at another essential part of uh, everybody's diet which is fats and as you said probably uh, you know protein gets a disproportionate amount of attention but let's also look at uh, fats how how do you how do you ensure that your athletes are getting the adequate amount of fats and what is your approach when it comes to fats right so um firstly again the three things that matter first is the quantity second is the quality third is the timing so when i look at quantity yes. uh you need again i'm giving a wide range but you need anywhere between 0.8 to 1.4 grams per kg body weight per day of dietary fat in your system and this yep. is further than divided as visible fat uh, that you can see such as cooking oils and ghee etc and then 
invisible fat that comes in from invisible sources such as nuts and seeds and dairy and things like that now this is whole fat debate on what kinds of fat are best for you uh, we have on one end people saying saturated fats are absolutely not good for you because they clog your arteries and you soon have atherosclerosis and things like that and on the other hand you have this um, keto paleo clan that tells you that no sat fats are actually good for you they are better oxidized and so on and so forth um my take would be that considering so much has been researched and so much information is available so far um i this is just my opinion i've just divided them into three sections so for example the fats that i would stick by and i would put in more in my diet would be uh, a combination of omega 3 fats which can come from fish uh, which can come from let's say a little bit of walnuts and chia seeds and things like that and at the same time the mono unsaturated fatty acids which i put in through let's say olive oil uh or avocados so these are my definitely go to fats that are absolutely healthy and there's there's no stain on them everybody agrees that they are the correct yes yeah. yeah absolutely um then you use them freely as long as they are in the in the quantity prescribed and then you look at use in moderation so when i look at use in moderation i want to use all of my sat fats and vegetable oils here so when i look at sat fats everything that come everything that's dairy based uh, will have to come here ghee would come here and then i would look at fats that you should absolutely not do which are your trans fats which are fats that you gather from outside basically in the burger patties repeatedly fried in the same oil uh, you know your samosas are fried in the same oil and you develop something called as trans fats which are extremely unhealthy and there's they, they, they're definitely proven to you know clog your arteries Understood. okay so essentially what you are saying at two ends of the spectrum the so called good fats which are the omega uh, the omega 3s which you get from fish and nuts and they there is no debate around that because obviously they are you know it's well established that they are uh, they are beneficial to you with very little if any side effects uh, the on the other extreme obviously clearly uh, trans fats uh, correctly have a bad uh, you know the uh, a bad reputation Correct. it's uh, the debate around fats is always in the middle should you use cooking oil should you use that oil this oil and you you say that using it moderately is absolutely absolutely fine no that's uh, that's again very very clear and very very helpful one of the things which you you know very briefly touched upon earlier was about diets right and uh, i mean i have a very specific question obviously because there is there are all these types of diets which are you know in fashion these days keto diet and paleo diet and people do intermittent fasting how should athletes evaluate these type of uh, diets uh, is there any particular type of diet that you think are suitable for athletes or are there some diets which are suitable for athletes depending on what they are training for and at which phase of their training they are in what's your take on all of this yeah so um i would i would divide this let's say in two sections if the first one being let's say very a lifestyle approach to this now when you look at a lifestyle approach um again because there are so many diets and all of these diets have different principles of actions so i would go with saying that do what works the best for you in a very lifestyle you know approach um okay the second aspect of things when it comes to training so let me tell you that for example i have i have used intermittent fasting when it comes to 
two goals one having better fat oxidation and better endurance performance as well as two for boosting natural testosterone level and building your uh, muscle protein synthesis as well because those are classic benefits of following an intermittent fasting protocol but will i do it in a competition phase no i would want to do this when the coaches are working on these specific goals and i would include that as a strategy for my body to be adapted to it in the earlier phases of my training so i would use that strategy then but not use it at perhaps other other sections of my training phases okay the second aspect to this would be uh, different athletes will definitely need different diets so for example i will never never uh, perhaps advise a weightlifter uh, to get on to a vegan diet Okay. Now, a weightlifter. The demands of the sport are extremely high. We saw uh, Meera Bai Chanu winning in uh, today, and uh, it's a journey because the the training loads are extremely um, considerably higher over the training calendar. Uh, there's so much muscle fiber breakdown that goes into play. Repair and recovery becomes of so much importance. And here is where protein, for example, is the main thing that you want to focus on. and that to the ones that comes from organic good quality meat sources because these are also natural creatine sources and you need that creatine for both uh, to give you that quick energy as a part of the energy system as well as for repair and recovery so i would want somebody to follow a meat based diet uh, a weightlifter to follow a meat based diet and okay. perhaps if you're a long distance endurance runner where you don't need that much of protein in your everyday diet and your major fuel comes in from good quality carbohydrate stores it is fine if we land up going in a little bit uh, on a vegetarian or vegan end as well as long we as long as we balance certain micronutrients because a vegan diet is predominantly more focused on good quality carbohydrates with the combination of good quality plant protein sources as well as good quality carbohydrate sources so like i said um training phases wise also you can trial different strategies um and various athletes will also need a different kind of a diet uh, in a very athletic kind of a setup but as a lifestyle approach do what suits best for you okay so let me just uh, try to summarize the way i have understood this what you are essentially saying is that based on the athlete the event they are training for the phase of training there is there is a diet plan that you will prescribe and if that diet plan kind of fits into the fits into the let's say a vegan plan or a you know some other sort of a plan then so be it that's great but you don't start the other way around you don't say that look let me apply a vegan plan for this guy because you know this guy is a this person is interested in doing a vegan diet you don't approach it that way you approach it from a holistic standpoint depending on all the things that i just mentioned and then if kind of fits the label of a particular form of diet so be it that's great go go on go on with it is that a right way to understand correct absolutely because when you look at athletes you want to you want to again look at the training goal training phase and then decide your nutrition strategy so it's a very holistic approach that way but if the athlete comes in and says that no i want to you know i'm just more conscious about um, animals and i want to 
follow a vegan diet and there's not nothing much that i can do over it but we can use that a uh, strategy we can trial being on a vegan diet in the off season phase or perhaps in the little bit of pre season phase and see if this really works for the athlete if it does nothing like it we can support it with some supplements if needed but uh, but then you you're not left with any choice if somebody comes back and because it's a very ethical uh, conscious dietary choice that some athletes just come up with and then we just need to work around that strategy um so again like i said you can trial all of this in the off season or just in the pre season but typically you would go with understanding training goals individual goals and the training phases and then put in that nutrition strategy that works the best at that training phase uh you briefly spoke about uh, you know mirabai chanu and uh, you know i'm aware that uh, you have done work with the federation uh so it's a very specific elite level uh, olympic level athlete question that now i now have uh take us through what it takes in terms of nutrition to help these athlete reach the podium or you know even participate at that uh, at that extremely you know high high level correct i think just to uh, before we even touch up on nutrition i think it's such a holistic approach when we talk about coaching and sports science and medicine because the goals are really that you want to be so careful that the athlete is not injured you want to keep the load just as much that it pushes the athlete to you know better to do better without being injured uh so much of physiotherapy support goes into you know for recovery there's so much of mindset psychology support and then therefore the fuel and recovery support that comes in from nutrition i think throughout my journey working with the weightlifters um, has always been um a spectrum of things i mean if i had to put down uh, three major important goals they would land up being uh, fueling recovery and weight management because it's a weight category sport yes and um depending upon their training phases and depending upon the training load that they lift you want to trial a little bit of supplements at some point see if those benefit if those benefit the athlete at that point uh, it's very important like i said initially that um having a meat based diet a diet that is rich on natural sources of creatine and it needs to be good quality uh, you know everything from we've we've tried and done everything from getting in good quality pork to uh, good quality uh, fish uh, we've kind of had people help us with uh, norwegian salmon and things like that to support our athletes um, in terms of the best nutrition that we can provide uh, to them and having a good foundation in terms of nutrition and then supporting it with supplements because weightlifting does is a sport that does need a good support when it comes uh, when it comes to supplements and because recovery like i said is of prime prime importance uh, because yes. they have for example they would have four heavy sessions that go monday and tuesday and there's a little break and then you have four heavy sessions that go later as well so uh, something that can constantly help them recover so a diet that is absolutely rich on protein yes creatine yes um, also a lot of antioxidants good quality fruits good quality vegetables uh, focuses a lot on vitamin c fish oil uh, zinc to an extent um you know all of these together i would say done periodically over the calendar year uh will help you keep improving in your training so that the coach can keep pushing you and then ultimately you reach a stage as high as this
Wonderful, wonderful. And it's it's so heartening to, you know, listen to your work with uh, these federation, including some of the people who are participating at uh, uh, Tokyo right now as we uh, as we speak. Uh, my next question is, again, something which practically comes up a lot, uh, especially among, you know, the re- recreational athletes, uh, runners, uh, you know, cyclists and others, which is combining weight management and training. Uh, now, many people... Uh, you know, take for example, many people have taken up to running when when they initially started it as a way way of managing their weight and things like that. But at the same time, you know, I also observe that you know some people take it a little too far. By which what I mean is, let's say they are doing a sixteen week marathon training, which obviously demands a lot out of your body, yeah. and if at the same time you are in this perpetual state of energy deficiency, you are not eating well enough to support the training. You could get injured. You are not bringing out the best in you, etc. So you know it works both ways, right? So what's your what's your advice to people when it comes to managing and controlling your weight, along with uh, let's say uh, you know reasonably intensive uh, phase or period of training? Right. Let me break this down into two sections. So you mentioned okay. about energy availability, and um, I'm not sure how many are actually aware about what it really means, um, because energy availability is nothing but uh, your energy intake, your calories that you take in, uh, minus your total energy expenditure. Sorry, minus your yeah expenditure. So for example, if I am uh, consuming two thousand five hundred calories. and my training expenditure is 500 calories then i am left with 2000 calories as energy available for me to uh, you know have a good digestive system for my heart to function well for my brain to function well and all of my body organs to function really well now when i go on a calorie deficit diet for various reasons including weight management if i land up consuming now just about 1500 calories and my yep. training expenditure is now because i've increased that as well because i want to lose weight and that in itself goes to about 1000 odd calories then the energy available to me is now basically just going to be 500 odd calories and to support the support the day to day body function absolutely and that is just too less and your body Understood. will try to still manage it will try try and distribute that 500 calories everywhere little 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 so that there's some repair there's some recovery there's something that goes in but now if you continue to be on this chronic energy deficiency scenario that is where you will have massive effects and uh, these have been highlighted a lot in terms of female athletes or women uh, runners especially as well uh, wherein you don't have enough energy available and it directly affects your reproductive system for example your menstrual cycle okay. goes for a toss uh, your periods are no longer regular at the at the point that they they don't no, no longer come every month um, that further lowers your estrogen levels and it has an impact on your bone health uh, you also therefore are more at risk of osteoporosis and um, it's it's a big challenge then to come back from that point to start nourishing your body all over again it takes quite some time to get back so i just want to highlight that energy availability is extremely important and if anybody is trying to achieve a uh, fat loss or is is wants to achieve any weight targets please do it uh, through a very um, um proper by consulting a sports nutritionist or a nutritionist who can help you properly in terms of the calorie and macro requirements that you need 
understood okay no that's that's really really uh, you know really really helpful and uh, you know in it also you know it carries a very important warning as well not to push this whole concept uh, too uh, too far especially when you are in a phase of you know reasonably intensive training which many of us or most of us uh, go through as recreational uh, recreational athletes uh, my next question is on supplements and again as part of your answer to earlier questions at various points you know you did talk about supplements whether it be protein supplements or other supplements but let's just focus a little directly on the supplement question what are your thoughts uh, should they be used how to use them when to use them yes so i'd actually like to start off with uh, so there's this very nice research paper that um, Ron Mohan and Louis Burke landed up writing in and many other eminent researchers as well in the year 2018 uh, it is okay. it's, it's it's by the uh, international olympic committee as a consensus statement on dietary supplements and the reason okay. i'm highlighting is, uh, this is for this very line so i'm just going to read out this line um, it says that nutrition makes a small the keyword is small nutrition makes a small but potentially valuable contribution to successful performance and okay. dietary supplements which are a part of nutrition make a minor contribution only to this program so okay the high the takeaway is that nutrition is going to make a very small but valuable contribution keyword again is small and when you bring in supplements which are a part of nutrition they are going to further make only a minor contribution to your performance and as much as i would and I'd, i'd like to say that supplements do work but they work only when you do the right supplements right quality of the supplements uh, in the right quantity at the right time and in the right training phase if you've checked all of these boxes only then they work um just to give you actually an example now um creatine um is a supplement that many people usually use for muscle hypertrophy yeah and um it's it's only available naturally through a meat based diet so for the longest time we all believed that vegetarians who don't eat meat will do better if they take a creatine supplement because okay. there's no natural creatine from meat anyways in their diet but there have been responses such that vegetarians who never had meat when taken a creatine supplement still don't show any positive response from it and many people landed up thinking on why could that be the reason and the simpler reason was that if you are on a high protein diet irrespective of whatever dietary habits you follow your body will land up making enough creatine as required by your body okay so the key is to get those uh, uh, proteins for example this example you gave from whatever sources your diet supports correct. is is that correct so the foundation yeah. the foundation being get everything you need from food as much as possible because if your body is anyways making something having an additional supplement is just not going to help because you will not be able to store that much it's in in most uh, cases it's going to be like split out in the urine 
or you're basically going to spend a lot of money on it which is going to go waste okay okay <laughs> understood okay no that's that's very uh, that's very helpful in terms of getting the you know the supplement question again uh, uh, you know we spoke about it a little in the context of another uh, question but as as you are also uh, you know acutely aware women are increasingly taking to recreational sports in a wide variety like running cycling uh triathlon what have you right? right uh what are some of the specific things that uh, you want to and i know that it's an episode in itself and we can you know potentially speak at length and for probably an hour or more on that but yeah. just a few important highlight you know highlight uh, a few important points as far as women athletes are concerned that you think they need to be aware of and watchful of yeah um i think what i'd land up saying is i would just go back to our initial you know chat about energy availability always okay. land up uh, having enough energy available for all your bodily processes don't land up being too much into deficit that can hamper your menstrual health or reproductive health or bone health um the second thing i would like to highlight would be certain micronutrients so focus a lot more on iron b12 uh, folic acid calcium and vitamin d i think these are your five okay. golden micronutrients that you must always consider irrespective of whatever age group you belong to because they continue to be significant across your life cycle so that would be two and number 3 would be whatever your protein intake is or protein requirement is try and balance that as much as possible so if you land up doing these three things you should be fine Okay, so in terms of these five, uh, you know, important uh, important aspects you highlighted, just give us a few examples of where from natural sources you can get in each of these. Correct. So iron basically is divided into, let's say, a heme iron, which is a good quality iron, and a non-heme iron. So a heme iron is found in a lot of meat-based products, uh, and the best okay. best source of iron comes from the liver. it's organ meat so liver of meats that's the best source uh, okay. from there if you want to look at the non heme sources which are a lot of vegetarian sources which we consume in a larger quantity then we'd go about you know consuming liver meat um, we would look at sources such as shepu shepu ki sabzi would be a good option uh, methi ki sabzi is a good option um, amaranth is a good option um a lot of other vegetables dates uh, these are good options to include in your everyday plan and many people have this common concept of thinking because popeye has spoiled us and told us that oh you eat spinach and then you become strong but spinach is honestly not the richest source of iron it's shepu uh, ki sabzi it's methi ki sabzi it's red amaranth ki sabzi that will give you the iron that you need the other concept that people have is beetroot let me just take more beetroot and my iron levels will increase again that's not true in the true sense because beetroot is not rich in iron but beetroot contains something called as nitrates and that helps dilates your uh, in dilating your blood vessels so that there's more oxygen supply that goes into your cells so take beetroot along uh, with all the iron sources that you would take otherwise and in order got it sorry and in order to support this iron you will need vitamin c which will help absorb the iron in a much better fashion so a little bit of lime juice if you want to sprinkle somewhere if you want to include avla anywhere drumsticks anywhere uh, those would help as well 
and then the next one was folic acid and folic acid is found in a lot of vegetables just lot of green leafy vegetables so if you have them included as a part of your week three to four times a week you're sorted um b12 again now b12 is complex because you know it's not available through vegetarian sources as such it's available only through non vegetarian dietary sources so only if you are deficient perhaps you need to be on a supplement otherwise you really don't uh, need it as such uh, the other important aspect with b12 is also that it doesn't matter if you're a vegetarian or a non vegetarian but in order to absorb that b12 you need a healthy gut so okay if you want a healthy gut then you need your diet to be rich on probiotics and prebiotics so everything from dahi to your yogurt to buttermilk are things that you must consider to include in your plan and the last piece was calcium again you get it from dairy spinach broccoli till you can include these in your everyday meal plan and vitamin d of course we know that more and more people are deficient today and the only good source is sunlight and we're all struggling to find the right wavelength which is why our time zones are being shifted from 8 o'clock 10 o'clock 11 o'clock um but i feel that even if you consume enough fatty fish or egg yolk um at some point in your plan you should be able to be fine and only again if you're deficient keep checking your levels at least biannually so you know where you stand so you can get the right guidance in terms of taking care of the deficiency if any okay now that's uh, that's that's really really uh, comprehensive and really really helpful uh the last couple of questions one is uh, just talk to the listeners a little bit of the resources that you put out out there uh your blog your website uh where people can go and find more materials which you you know you will keep updating as well Yes so um i am actually not that active when it comes to social media as such but i have a handle uh, called @mirakopkar on instagram uh and i try and put down um so the recent thing that i did was i tried to put down a lot of uh, information about tokyo because most of the athletes are going in there uh, about the kind of meals that will be available there and what are the choices that you can make over it uh, apart from that i feel um I actually want to take this opportunity to to let everyone know that if it's possible if you have uh, at that time management you must do a certificate course in nutrition not to practice it generally but just because nutrition is so universal all of us use that information on an everyday basis and nutrition is just going to be of so much importance in coming years and this this issue actually i'm perhaps slightly diverting but this issue is so close to my heart when you talk about climate changes uh, and the things that are happening today in terms of heat changes rainfall changes and our agriculture is being impacted and you wouldn't believe i'm just i'm just sharing for example there was a time where one serve or 30 grams of a dal or pulse had 7 grams of protein uh, today it has 6.6 and some people might say that oh it's just 0.4 grams of a difference but my worry is the trend in which we are landing up going is it's 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 going down uh, perhaps the soil quality is not at the best perhaps the climate is not as supportive enough and agricultural uh, agriculture and uh, right nutrition wholesome organic nutrition is going to be a big thing it's already a big thing but it's going to be an even bigger thing in the coming uh, few decades and i just feel that the best way to start is one try and educate yourself you are obviously not going in um, giving an exam out there but educate yourself on nutrition so that you can include that 
as a part of your own lifestyle and uh, your own journey so that you're just better informed and you make better dietary choices and you just uh, improve your own lifestyle and your family's lifestyle no wonderful and the certificate courses that you mentioned do you want to suggest one or two so that people don't get lost in the weeds correct so um there's a very so the certificate course in nutrition foundation um is one of the examples would be exercise science academy and uh, if if any of them want to do a nutrition course uh, in there there are also specializations in there but you see what works best for you uh, you can land up going to their website it's exercise science academy uh, at the same time um, if you just want to have any information you can always go to uh, harvard's website and there are so many free courses on nutrition available as well even at coursera there are so many nutrition courses available as well and if you'd like uh, raj maybe i can send you a couple of links of the harvard's courses and then maybe some of your listeners can perhaps take those courses no no absolutely Absolutely, do that because I will include it in the you know show notes, uh, which I publish detailed show notes on uh, all the episodes, and it's also available on the podcast website, so people can refer back to it at any point later as well. Correct. Uh, for particular bits of information they want from the podcast, or they may remember or try to refresh, so that's always uh, always available. So uh, let's just conclude by you then sharing your uh, you know social media handles or how to get in touch with you, whatever you are comfortable. with sharing correct um i'm very active on instagram as such so mihira khokkar is my instagram page and uh, perhaps i will also share with you my email address and maybe if anybody has any queries on nutrition they can reach out to me there as well i consult through the reliance foundation hospital so at any point if you need my expert advice you can always consult me through them we're consulting we're doing a lot of online sessions so we have something called as the geo health hub app so you can go on that app register yourself and you can find me there and you'll be able to book an appointment with me as well okay wonderful thanks a lot meera this was really really comprehensive really really helpful and uh, you know a lot of information and uh, some of the materials that you will be sharing will also go into our show notes as i said thank you so much for your uh, time and thanks for all the wonderful work that you are doing with the various federations and uh, obviously we are already seeing some results at the olympics uh, so really thankful for you taking the time and talking to us thank you so much raj again for having me because uh, the more opportunities i get to um, convey a good positive message to to people listening is an opportunity that should not go wasted so thank you once again for having me on the show Thank you very much to all the listeners. Please check out the podcast website runfitraj.com that is r u n f i t r a j.com. It has all the podcasts, it has all the show notes and there is a very useful search function as well. You can reach out to me on my social media handles which are running and fitness with raj on both Instagram and Facebook. And you can also email me on running and fitness with raj@gmail.com. Please let me know if you have any questions or specific guests you would like to see on the show. I also request you all again to please subscribe to the podcast and spread the word. Please also leave a review on iTunes as it will help enormously to grow the show. We will continue to bring you exciting and interesting guests and give specific and actionable advice. Stay safe, stay healthy and till the next show. Goodbye.